0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au 38 years ago I scored my first job as a political reporter and have been a bit of a political tragic ever since. I don't think I've ever seen the level of despair and disconnection with politicians and the political system as we're seeing now, not even through the demise of the Whitlam government and the dark days of probably every prime minister since because they all go through their tough times. My next guest has, in a way, discovered the holy grail that could end all the despair, fix the political system, and enable politicians and the public to reconnect, if only. Just a few days ago, as we posted on our Open House Community Facebook page, Labour hero Bill Kelty entirely agreed. It's a simple five-letter word, so foundational to relationships and our public and private life. Though if you watch our politicians at work, you'd hardly know it. The word is truth. Thomas Jefferson, one of America's founding fathers and the third US president, once said, Honesty is the first chapter in the Book of Wisdom. It may seem either a no-brainer statement or one of naivety. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Is this the reason we're so disconnected from the political system, so over it, so cynical, that we've lost the sense that we're being dealt with honestly? What about this question? Are we, in a way, to blame? You know the saying, we get the politicians we deserve. As long as we keep voting for all those promises, as long as we continue to get sucked in, they'll keep on serving up all that spin to us. And there's this. What if you were in the politician's shoes? Would you tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? How can they tell the truth and still get people to vote for them when they tell us some hard truths? And is this a problem for politicians alone or is it a problem for every one of us? Because we always want people to think well of us. Honesty really is the best policy, according to Peter Curty, Visiting Fellow with the Religion and Free Society Program at the Centre for Independent Studies. He's kicked this important conversation off, and I'm very glad to say that he joins us now on Open House. Peter, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lee. Great to be here.
0: It's such an obvious thing to say, you've got to tell the truth, but does it sound, in this day and age, a bit naive as well? I don't think it is naive, Lee. I think that truth forms
1: the basis of trust, and I think what we're seeing at the moment in the Australian political landscape is, if not a breakdown, certainly a straining of the bond of trust between um, our government and the electorate. In fact, not just the government. I think that many people in the the electorate and the Australian community are getting rather weary of, of everybody in the federal parliament.
0: How far do you think our civic and political system has drifted away from the notion of truth? It's hard to calibrate that, but I think that
1: we are certainly drifting. I think there is um, a sense of disbelief and even dismay, uh, which greets utterances from politicians, both from left and right. And polling, it seems to me, suggests that, that although one party may edge ahead um, of another or one figure may edge ahead of another, that on the whole polling is low. And I think people are disinclined to believe now what politicians are telling them. Why do you think it's happening? And how long do you think it's been happening for? I think this has been going on for some time. And I think it's been accelerated, certainly, by the emergence of social media, Facebook, Twitter, means that there's this continuous uh, stream of utterances and opinions that that are, are fed out there of course there 's also the twenty four hour news cycle which means that the the rate of reporting the rate of cover has has accelerated. I think we've come quite a long way. Uh, I mean, I I first came to political awareness in the 1970s, and I don't think it was anything like this at all. So my sense is that it's probably been taking place over the last 15 to 20 years.
0: It could be that you still could tell the truth on the 24-hour news cycle, even though you have to say it endlessly. What is it about the pressure of the twenty-four hour news cyclone, as, as some call it, now.
1: I'm not a journalist, and you might be a better place to answer that than me. But you know, as a as a member of the public, I I would venture to say that the pressure to fill the twenty-four hour news cycle, twenty-four hour news channels, with content means that journalists, commentators are always looking for something new, for a new angle, and so they put spokesmen, they put party leaders, they put political figures, trade union leaders, employers, associations, under pressure to comment and formulate opinions. And I think there's a certain amount of pressure that comes from the media to maintain an output of comment. Because we all love the gotcha moment. Well, we do. And I do too. I mean, it's fun. (laughs) And it's entertaining. And it makes for compelling coverage. But the consequences of that um, include, I think, a, a sense over time that What we're seeing is simply some form of entertainment.
0: Is it as much what you say, whether you tell the truth or not, as how you say it? I think, in my view, that's one of Julia Gillard's problems, that a person like, say, John Howard, Paul Keating, Bob Hawke never had.
1: I think that's an important point, and I think that our political leaders do have to take great care with the way in which they present themselves before the microphones and the cameras, so demeanour is important. But that's been going on for a long time. I mean, Margaret Thatcher, when she came to office in 1979 in Britain, very soon uh, was being coached in the use of her voice and her hair changed and her dress, her her clothing was adjusted to make her look more attractive, more sensitive, more appealing. So I think the kind of political makeover has been going on for a long time. I think that's largely because how people appear – Uh, is very important in determining their overall standing in the community. Thinking right back now to 50 years or so ago when when the famous Nixon and Kennedy televised debates were taking place for the presidential election and Nixon appeared in a light grey suit and appeared unshaven,
0: Kennedy was in a dark suit, looked crisp,
1: decisive and fatal for Nixon. Yes
0: there's an interesting book that's been exploring this very question by an American social scientist Charles Murray. What's he saying in his book?
1: Well Murray is appealing for a great civic awakening and in his book Coming Apart which came out at the beginning of the year he's really calling America back to an awareness of what he identifies as the four foundational virtues and those virtues are industriousness because there's that determination to to improve one's lot. He speaks about honesty, which he would say is essential if the market economy is to flourish. He argues that marriage is a foundational virtue because it's the foundation for stable family and social life. And he argues that religiosity is a founding value because it's the basis for moral virtue, which in turn is the basis for uh, healthy functioning government. And also, I think, Because it it forms the basis of healthy civic engagement.
0: And the interesting thing is, as you listed those four arenas, I'm thinking, yes, every one of those has to be undergirded by truth. Every one.
1: Yes, I think that's right. I think truth is a very important part of the social fabric of civil society. When there is a sense that people are being untruthful or when truth is absent in conversations or negotiations or transactions then I think the fabric for all kinds of social life does begin to disintegrate.
0: Charles Murray, it's interesting, identifies a hollowness at the core of the political system. That's how he puts it. It's interesting that the ABC Hollow Man series had that very title. It was all about political minders and spin.
1: Yes, it's ironic, really. That's what Murray says. He he says that the absence of truth or the absence of trust is a symptom of the hollowness at the core of our society. He's talking about the United States, but I think that there are lessons that we can learn uh, from his
0: observations as a sociologist there. But it is a bigger problem than politics. It does encompass the media, but it does encompass all of us. As I said in the intro, we all love people to think well of us, even if we tell a little white lie or represent ourselves as something that we're not quite?
1: In a funny sort of way, I think that the heightened use of social media, the heightened use of the internet, a heightened awareness of the issue of privacy and confidentiality means that there is a certain pressure to be open and transparent in one's dealings, because accountability can be immediate. And I think that's part of the problem, going back to politicians, Why politicians are so careful, and why we get the sense that what they are saying is so guarded, because they know that any slip can be uh, traced back to them, and then the media have one of their notorious gotcha moments. John Howard, you talk about the, the you know this gotcha culture. I think in commercial life, I'm just thinking about the way in which you might book airline tickets over the internet. There's a there's a sense that because of the competitiveness of the airline industry, that companies do have to deal openly and honestly. You have to know that you can get your money back. You have to know that customer service is responsive. You have to know that a whole range of options are open to you as a customer if it's to enjoy the confidence of the customer because the way in which information flows so rapidly means that reputations can unravel in an instant.
0: Yes. On Open House, we're with Peter Curty, who's a visiting fellow with the Religion and Free Society Program at the Centre for Independent Studies. Peter on the question of religion, how much has the world, albeit perhaps in the past, been influenced by the centrality of truth in the Christian tradition, the words of Jesus, the place of truth in the Bible? Well, Jesus
1: has given us or the words of Jesus as recorded in the New Testament um, have given us the golden rule, the idea of doing unto others as you 'd have done uh, unto you it 's not quite how St. Luke puts it, but more or less that idea of reciprocity in uh, in personal relationships. I think that Christianity and Judaism and Islam have contributed a great deal uh, because there is this sense of being called to a higher standard, a higher ideal, um, a commitment to to values that are beyond one's own personal interests, the idea of commitment to a greater good and the sense of having to honour that greater good. So I think religion has actually contributed a great deal and I think that it's one of the reasons why religiosity, going back to Murray, is identified as being an essential part of the glue of civil society.
0: Is it too cute to say, well, as our society has drifted from matters of faith and religion that this is one of the elements that's been at play in our lack of regard for the truth.
1: Well, I don't think that society actually has drifted from uh, from religion as such. I think that in Australia, we are a bit wary of institutional religion. And Australians don't like to be told by institutional, institutional religions how they're supposed to live and what they're supposed to do. I don't think we like the sense of being told how to make decisions. But I get a very strong sense that Australians are quite profoundly religious that is to say religious at a a deep level there's a sense of connection there's a sense of spirituality i hear the word spirituality used a lot by people who don't go anywhere near a a church or a synagogue or a mosque so I i don't know that in our society we have drifted far from religion although clearly all churches um are facing in the christian tradition are facing issues of decline or many are
0: is this recoverable do you think are we able to retrieve the truth turn the clock back
1: Well, it's interesting you ask that because in in Britain, uh, Demos, which is a left of center think tank, has just released a a report called Faithful Citizens, which is really calling uh, for politicians on the left to be alert to the kind of social capital that they can harness from religious, religious believers and religious supporters. That is to say, people who are, who describe themselves in one way or another as religious. So I think that... Whilst critics might say, and I, I would be inclined to agree with this position that this report is in danger of politicizing religion, I do think there's a recognition that religious standards are a means whereby political leaders can be recalled to a certain standard of truth. Left or right, I don't think it, it's about party politics at all, but I think that the, the, the kind of integrity that religious people themselves exhibit in their lives can be um can be if not a model,
0: certainly an example to to political leaders. Albeit imperfectly. But you don't have to be religious to tell the truth. Yes, certainly, albeit imperfectly.
1: Uh, and that the churches themselves will be the first to recognise that in many ways they have failed at times in their lives to uh, to maintain those high standards so certainly imperfect but christianity has woven into it the idea of redemption and forgiveness and moving beyond imperfection to renewed opportunity and renewed chance so i think there's always hope that would be
0: a good lesson for the media forgiveness and tolerance
1: yes it would i think that sometimes it will be good to see the media being slightly easier when politicians make genuine mistakes um, people on the left and on the right say things that they shouldn't say. They, they make observations, they make asides, and because there's a microphone everywhere, um, they get caught. It happened to Gordon Brown in, in that famous comment that he made. It happened to Bob Hawke. It happened to Tony Abbott. It happens to most of them. And I think that the media does, if I may say so, grind away at this and make far more of it than I think the average Australian
0: having a a drink in the pub might. I'm sure you're right about that. Let me put this to you, though. What if a few home truths were told by our political figures? Julia Gillard, for instance. I've been wrong for sticking with Craig Thompson for so long. Yes, I am worried about the polls. Wayne Swan, yep, the budget surplus is purely political. I want to show people that I can handle money and it probably won't be achieved. Tony Abbott, you know what? The carbon tax won't be anywhere as bad as I've been saying. Is that disarming honesty really going to work in the hearts and minds of people like us in voter land? That's a really good question. (laughs) I feel sorry for them, I must say, as a journo. I do feel sorry for them.
1: I feel a lot of compassion for politicians. I mean, I think that they choose to go into that arena and they choose to live their lives in that way, and therefore they must accept the consequences of doing so. But I I have the highest regard for anybody in whatever political party, for anybody who commits themselves to public life and foregoes opportunities in areas like law or commerce or or whatever. They they go into public life. The rewards are very uncertain. It's very unforgiving and they work very hard. Is it too late? I, I don't know. I think that if Julia Gillard, to take your example, were to Come clean with the Australian people. <laughs> Tell <her> the
0: truth, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a partisan no, way. No, neither
1: do I. No, I, I think it's too late, probably, because it's gone on for too long. Could somebody make a clean break? Yes, I think that successive leaders try to do that. Tony Blair tried to do it when he came into office in '97 in Britain, but very soon got himself caught up in the in the media cycle. I think when Kevin Rudd became prime minister, there was a there was a, a real sense that he wanted the Labour Party to be the Labour government to be to set a new standard. But then he got caught up in the relentlessness of the 24 hour news cycle. So I think it's, it's difficult for political leaders to break free I would like to think that they could I don't think they can do it midterm I don't think that any of the present cabinet could suddenly say look you know what people we were wrong about this let's we were see the real that. Julia I mean I, I I don't think that would work yeah. now
0: so you need a clean skin who I would say has to come with a sense of authority with a sense of self-confidence or confidence maybe ultimately even in God a sense of authority a sense of strength and a sense of authenticity.
1: I think that's right. Somebody who's actually really comfortable in their own skin. I mean, I think in the case of Julia Gillard, without wanting to dwell on this uh, unnecessarily, I think that the the big issue for her from the outset of her time in the Lodge was the way in which she came to office. If she'd won an election and become Australia's first woman prime minister in a clean, clear, decisive victory at a general election, it would have been kind of different. But she was on the back foot having to defend what had happened from the very first and then went to the country, got a very slender majority, cobbled something together and governed with a, with a sense that pragmatism rather than principle needed to carry the day. Do anything you can to keep an office, to keep the numbers. And commentators like Dennis Shanahan and The Australian have been um, quite assiduous about pointing this out, I think.
0: Yeah. Peter Cody, it's been a very absorbing conversation, not just because I'm a political tragic. I'm really interested to uh, hear what our Open House listeners have to say on this. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you, Lee. It's been great. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit
1: openhousecommunity.com.au.